Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. thank you again for the opportunity to gather and and to sing, Lord, and and to pray and to just worship you, Lord. I thank you for what's going on right now in these classrooms with these children. Lord, just let us have a great week up here praising you and and teaching with these kids learning. And I pray for our time together right now, Lord, as we open your word. Just remind us of the significance and the importance, Lord, of what we're doing right now. Lord, you've given us your word. This is the way in which we should live, Father. These are the truths by which we should govern our lives. And so we just thank you for that. We thank you for the opportunity to study them. I pray as we do, Father, you would instruct us and challenge us and change us and convict us. And Lord, as we pray every Sunday morning, may we be changed and transformed more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning, open to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. It's an exciting time for us here at Rosemont. There's a lot of neat things going on this time of year. Summer used to be a time of relaxation, I guess, and and taking time off. It's really the busiest time of the year now. There's so much going on, so many activities. We have a team right now in Zambia, Africa. They'll be traveling home at the end of this week. Uh, I'll be leaving with the team tonight to go to India. We commissioned last Sunday morning. Those of you that were with us will be gone for about 10 days. Pray for us as we lead leaders there and train pastors. Uh, We have people that are uh, in Alaska right now, more people that are scheduled to go. We've got Rock Ridge coming up here in June, which is a children's camp that a lot of our kids will go be part of. Many of you are serving there. Camp Viola comes up after that, another children's camp, another opportunity to serve. And proclaim the gospel and Mission LaGrange in July and on and on it goes. So a lot of exciting things. Would love for you to be part of those. If you're interested in any of those or want to be uh, available to serve, you can speak to me or our children's pastor, Philip McClung. There's a calendar outside on the desk you can pick up. It has all the summer activities. But as we started thinking about this morning and VBS and, and the kids and the idea of salvation and growth, I, I want to just spend some time this morning in Psalm chapter 1. I, I like this chapter a lot. Because it gives us what I believe is just a very clear path to growth. I think a lot of believers don't really understand that there's a way in which they can grow in their faith. I don't think a lot of believers understand that there's kind of a path they can take. Most people just kind of hope for the best. right? We show up at church, we go to Sunday school, maybe we do a Bible study occasionally, maybe we read our Bible, have a prayer time once or a couple times a week or maybe a little more often. And we just hope upon hope that it's enough to grow and walk in our faith and will deepen our understanding of Christ. But I believe, and this is just one of them, I think the Bible is, is really just filled with very clear examples of how we can deepen our walk, how we can grow our faith. And if we'll take the time to look at it, if we'll take the time to study it, if we'll take the time to apply it to our lives, we'll begin to see 
day after day, week after week, month after month, slow and steady growth, a deepening of our understanding of God's Word, a deepening of our understanding of Christ's love for us, a deepening of our understanding of grace and mercy. And as we begin to understand that, we begin to live it out a little more, and then we look at ourselves now compared to a year ago and we're different. Three years ago, we're different. Five years ago, we're different. So I wanted to look this morning at Psalm chapter 1, just the first three verses because there's so much in there, there's so much we can learn and, and a lot of ways in which we can apply it to our lives. But I want to see this morning as we read these first three verses, just a, what I believe is a real clear path to growth, a real clear path to righteousness. So look at, look at Psalm chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. If you, if you don't have your Bibles, by the way, there's one in the, in the seat right in front of you. Grab one of those. We're on page 448 today. That's Psalm chapter 1, page 448. But Psalm chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. We have it on the screen as well. Blessed is the man. That's a great way to start the book of Psalms, right? Blessed is the man. We all want to be blessed. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But, now we're going to kind of compare this here. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree. Planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. I want to give you kind of three, what I believe are three very clear steps. Three very simple things we ought to be doing in our walk if we're serious about our growth. The first one, we have it on the screen, number one. As we grow in Christ, we must flee from evil. If you're serious about your walk, if you're serious about your growth in Christ... You need to do everything you can to run in the opposite direction of evil. Now listen, that's harder and harder in our world today, isn't it? It seems more and more difficult to flee evil because it seems, at least on the surface, as if everything that surrounds us is evil. There's plenty of bad things you can do. There's plenty of bad things you can think about. There are plenty of evil activities you can be involved in. But blessed, the scripture says, is the man or woman who understands the evil that surrounds them and flees from it. And I love the progression here in this verse because it's a real clear understanding of kind of how we struggle as we deal with evil in our lives. Look at verse 1 again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Right? There are kind of three areas right here in verse 1. There's the walking, there's the standing, there's the sitting. And as we think about the progression, I want you to kind of think through this with me in your life and how this may play itself out. There's the idea first of just kind of walking, right? The mature believer, the person that's serious about their faith, doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, right? We're not walking along beside those kinds of people or those kinds of things, right? It's easy if we're not careful to find ourselves just kind of wandering into a situation or a place we don't need to be in. It's very easy to wander into sin, isn't it? Very easy to make a mistake, and it's just a small little mistake, and nobody ever knows it's not a big deal. I'm just going to kind of fix it next time, and the next time it's a little bit worse, and the next time it's a little bit worse. And we see this progression, right? We're kind of walking, if we're not careful, we surround ourselves with people or with things or places, or you fill in the blank, it's different for every person. We surround ourselves with these people or these places or these things, and we're kind of walking in the counsel of the wicked, and maybe we don't even know it. But I want you to look at the next step. And this has just always been so, Psalm 1 1 has always been so interesting to me because there's this progression. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel, 
nor stand in the way of sinners, right? So we're walking along, minding our own business. We all of a sudden realize we're surrounded by things we shouldn't be surrounded by. We're kind of walking in the counsel of the wicked. But the next step is we stop and we stand. You see that? No longer are we walking. We've kind of stopped because we're interested now. See the progression there? It's very easy to, to find ourselves kind of walking in this place and not know it. But the moment we stop and kind of take that second look and really begin to realize what we're surrounded by and who's there with us, we're in some trouble. Because when you stop and you stand and you begin to look and then you begin to think and you begin to wonder and your mind begins to work. And then look at the third thing. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits. You see that? We're walking, we're minding our own business, we realize we're in a place we shouldn't be, we stop and we look and we're interested, and before long now we're sitting and we're taking in and we're enjoying. Right, now there's a thousand different things we could apply this to in our lives. There's a thousand different areas. I bet if every person stood up this morning and kind of thought through this, you could kind of give a different scenario in your life where this is true. So for example, men, let's just talk to men because I'm a man. Right, we're surfing on the web late at night. We're just walking along, minding our own business. Something pops up that maybe we shouldn't look at, and we stop. And we stand for a minute, and after a few minutes, we're sitting, enjoying things we shouldn't be enjoying. Right, Ladies, maybe you go on a shopping trip with a friend, and all of a sudden, you begin to talk about something, and that conversation turns to somebody it shouldn't turn to. and All of a sudden, you're gossiping and saying rude things about somebody, and all of a sudden, you kind of sat down, and you're enjoying the conversation, saying the things you shouldn't say. Right, We could all fill in the blank, but the progression is the same for all of us. It doesn't matter the sin or the circumstance. We walk, and then we stop, and we stand, and then we sit. And so the writer of the book of Psalm here just kind of warns us, listen, there's this slow, steady, very simple sometimes progression, and before we know it, we're just drawn in. We had the opportunity last week, my family went to the beach. We had kind of a window there. We're not going to have a window for a while this summer, so we had a window. We thought, you know, let's go to the beach for a few days. Went down Monday and came back uh, Friday morning, and we were down there for kind of three days on the beach, and Every day was a yellow flag, right? If you've ever been to the beach, you understand yellow flags. The green, it's perfect and calm. The red, it's pretty bad. Like the double red, you're not supposed to get in at all. But the yellow is kind of in between. You, know, you have to be careful, and there's signs out, rip tide or rip current. Be careful and, and you know, make sure you're a, a decent swimmer if you're going to go out in the water. So we went out a couple of times, not too far. And the way the beach works in the Gulf, and most of you know this, is it's fairly shallow, and then it kind of drops off. I got out there with my kids, Jonas and Lydia were out there, and we're kind of swimming around, and we got out past the breakers. We kind of explained to Jonas this week, if you get out past where the waves break, it's a lot easier, right? The first day, he was standing right where the waves break, and he couldn't figure out why he kept getting knocked down. I was like, son, these are big waves and a lot of water. It's gonna knock. you got to get past that, and then you kind of ride the waves, right? We've all done that, and it's a lot of fun with your kids. Well, we're out there on Thursday, and all of a sudden, we are out a little farther than I had thought, and I realized I couldn't touch the bottom. And I couldn't touch the bottom as the, you, kinda, you know, you feel the rip current, the kind of the tide coming back out as the waves crash in, then it kind of sucks you back out. And it, there's this moment of panic where I thought, I can't get back into the shore. And it was scary. It was a 30-second, and of course we all made it back, praise the Lord. But there was that moment of panic. I was there, and Jonas was about six feet from me. Lydia was, and if I can't touch, I know they can't touch. And if I'm being pulled, I know they're being pulled out. And we eventually kind of swam around it. A guy kind of helped us back in, and we were fine. But it was this subtle kind of thing. I didn't even know I was in it until I was in it. You understand that? 
But that's the danger of sin. If we're not careful, we walk, and then we stop, and we stand, and we look. And before long, we're sitting in the middle of this, and we need to be reminded, listen, this is exactly what the enemy wants us to do. The enemy doesn't tell us sin is going to ruin your life on day one. The enemy says sin is good, it's fun, it's pleasing, just a little bit, you'll be fine in the end, and he sucks us in. I'm reminded of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Isn't that interesting? I found a quote from John Calvin. John Calvin, if you don't know, was a famous theologian, probably the most famous in history. But he wrote something hundreds and hundreds of years ago. I want you to listen to what he said hundreds and hundreds of years ago. He said, he's speaking about the Psalms, right? He wrote commentaries on the entire Bible. And if you, if you ever want to kind of wade into the depths of Scripture, go read John Calvin. He's incredible. John Calvin said, speaking of Psalm chapter 1, he said, this is fascinating, if in the time of the psalmist... It was necessary for the devout worshipers of God to draw themselves from the company of the ungodly in order to frame their life aright. How much more in the present day, when the world has become so much more corrupt, are we carefully to avoid the dangerous society that we may be kept unstained by its impurities? I thought if John Calvin wrote that hundreds of years ago, how much worse must it be now, right? We need to be aware. We need to be mindful. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk or stand or sit in the counsel of the ungodly. But look at verse 2 because he continues. He gives us kind of the contrary to this, right? Look at verse 1 again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Verse 2, but, right, here's the comparison. Here's the contrast. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Here's the second truth. As we grow in Christ, we must meditate on God's word. There's this clear picture in Scripture. We ought to be separating ourselves from the evil of the world. We need to be mindful of that. We can't stand in it or walk in it or sit in it. But at the same time, if we're going to grow in our faith and be serious about our walk, we've got to meditate on God's word. That's what Scripture tells us here. Scripture is very clear, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. Now, when you delight in something, guess what? You like to do that thing, don't you? Like, I delight. You're going to laugh at me. My wife laughs at me. She thinks I'm gross. But this is the first, as I think about illustrations, this is the first one that came to my mind. I delight in a hot dog at the Varsity in Atlanta. Anybody else feel that way? Don't be ashamed of y'all went. Yeah, come on, man. The Varsity. I love the Varsity. Amy can't stand it. I love the onion rings. It's all good. That's the only place in the world I'll get, I'll get two naked dogs, nothing on them, onion rings, and a large PC, right? It's a chocolate milk. I don't drink chocolate milk with ice anywhere else in the world except the varsity in Atlanta. I delight in that. I mean, I look forward to it. And so I'm going to promise you, and I hope this is never the case, but if you're ever in the hospital in Atlanta, I'm going to come see you, and I'm going to happen to run by the varsity about noon on my way home. It's amazing how that works. Ponce de Leon, I usually go to Emory. Ponce de Leon ends up right in the back parking lot of the varsity. It's just perfect. And I go up there and eat. I delight in that. And so as many chances as I get, I do those things, right? When we delight in something, we do it. Scripture right here, according to the psalmist, is something we should delight in. And so maybe this is a, a whole other topic or a whole other subject. But if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, you know what? I've never really delighted in God's word. Maybe you should begin to pray about that. 
Because as a follower of Christ, if you don't delight in God's word, there's a disconnect somewhere. Like what that delight means for you and how much you're in the word, and that's between you and God, and I don't know what that looks like for you personally, but there ought to be some level in your life as a believer where you delight in God's word, where it brings you peace or hope or, or comfort, or maybe in those difficult times you like to run to God's word and, and study it and, and read it and, and memorize it, right? The, the, the writer here says, listen, we should delight in God's word and we should meditate on it. Pull verse 2 up again. Look, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he does what he meditates on it day and night. The, the Bible's filled with examples of meditating on God's word. I went back and just looked a few. I want you to listen to these verses. Psalm 119, verse 15 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways, speaking to the Lord. Joshua 1.8 says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it so you will be prosperous and successful. Psalm chapter 63, verse 6, When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Psalm 77, 12, I'll ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Right? Over and over we, we read about this idea of meditation. Now, meditation is a word when we hear it, sometimes it's a little scary to us because we think about maybe Eastern-type religions and Hinduism. Like We go to India and the people sit there and it, it's, the, it's the most bizarre, one of the saddest things I've ever seen. But they'll sit in these circles around these fire pits and they'll throw their offering into the Hindu gods and they're doing the om. You've heard that, right? They literally do that. They're meditating on these false gods, right? So we get scared sometimes when you hear the word meditation. But meditation is basically, let me just kind of read it to you and help you understand. It's basically to think deeply or carefully about something. The verb means to muse or to ponder or to utter or to think about or to pray or to sing or to speak. It's the idea that I'm just going to think about and kind of let the, the word of God kind of infuse who I am. And on a regular, daily, ongoing basis, I'm going to make it a part of my life. So there, there's an illustration that kind of helps me understand this, right? We're, we're in the summer, and we like to grill, right, guys? We like to grill steaks or hamburgers or whatever. And most people have some sort of a, a, a sauce that they put on their meat before they grill it, right? So some sort of a, whether it's chicken or beef or maybe use Dale sauce or whatever. And if you're like me, when I marinate something, I don't take a steak and, and get like a little eyedropper and put like one little, boop, one drop of sauce on the steak. That's no good. Like, I take, a, I take a, 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 a container and fill it full of stuff and just submerge the steak in it, right? And that how you do it? And you let it sit for several hours, right? It's just immersed in this whatever it is, liquid or this powder. It's just covered in it. And so when you get ready to cook it, it's just kind of filled the meat up and the flavors throughout, right? And that's how you like it. It's the same sort of idea with God's Word. If, if we're just going to take God's Word a, boop, a blip at a time, it's not going to do a whole lot for us. Not going to change the flavor, not going to change it. It's going to be about the same. But, but if we'll immerse ourselves in biblical meditation, if we'll immerse ourselves in God's Word, if we'll spend time reading and studying and understanding and kind of allowing it to surround us, you'll be amazed at how your depth of understanding changes, of how your growth changes, of how your love for Scripture increases. One writer explained it like this. He said, meditation is a combination of reviewing, repeating, reflecting, thinking, analyzing, feeling, and even enjoying. It's a physical, intellectual, and emotional activity and involves our whole being. Richard Foster, who if you're interested in the, in the Christian disciplines, which are like the discipline of study and prayer, meditation, fasting, solitude, he wrote a book called Celebration of Disciplines. 
It's a well-known book. Rick wrote it many, many years ago. And if you're interested in that, you should read his book. But here's what Richard Foster said about meditation. I love it. He said, meditation is the ability to hear God's voice and obey his word. It's this ongoing process of studying and thinking and hearing. Here's the problem of meditation. For far too many people, we think we're too busy to do it. And so we get our Bible in a boop, one drop at a time. Like, Lord, I've got 10 minutes before I go to work this morning, pretty early. I'm rushing to get out the door. I'm going to get up a few minutes early, drink a coffee, take a shower. Here's my five minutes. I'm going to give you that's all I got, Lord. And that's better than nothing, by the way. I'm not telling you not to do that. If that's all you can manage, you need to do it. Sometimes it's at night, right? We've kind of gone through the day. We've spent ourselves on the activities of the world, our jobs, our families. All those things matter and are important. But at the end of the day, we've kind of wound ourselves down, and there's not a lot of time left. And so we give God the last five minutes or maybe ten minutes of the day, right? And again, I'm not saying you shouldn't do those. That's better than nothing. But the idea of meditating day and night on God's Word, if we're going to find ourselves truly blessed... We should spend more time in the, in the Word. We should spend more time in study and in prayer and in understanding who God is because far too many people think they don't have enough time to do it, and so because they never do it, they don't really understand the depth to which they can reach if they study God's Word. So I, I would just encourage you, right? And this is different for every person, and, and everybody's got a different way of doing things, but I would encourage you, if you want to meditate on God's Word, pick a scripture at the beginning of the week. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a verse or two verses or even a chapter if you want to think about a lot of it. But just pick a verse or two or three and write it on an index card. Put the card in your, in your pocket or in a book or your notebook for work or on your desk or wherever you can keep up with it on a regular basis. And every time you get a break, just pull it out and look at it. It's real simple. Pull it out and read it. And if you've got a little break at lunch, think for five minutes about it then. Or there's a break at work or something's going on and you have an opportunity to pull out the note card, pull it out and read it and look at it and think about it. Because you're going to be amazed the more you do that and the more you look at that verse and the more you allow that verse to kind of be part of your daily walk, the more it's going to begin to change you. And you're going to think about it more. And instead of worrying about what episode is going to be on TV tonight, you're going to be thinking about God's Word. Listen, what does this Word speak to me today? Like, how can this change me now? How can I apply what I'm learning to the situation at work or the situation at home? Or the situation with my kids. Imagine if you did one verse a week. Spent time writing it down and thinking about it. Imagine meditating and allowing that verse to change your heart. How God could use you. How God could shape you and change you. But I want you to look at the result here. This is interesting, right? Because if we say, listen, I'm going to flee from evil. I'm going to be very mindful of the things around me. I'm going to flee from evil. I'm going to meditate and find my delight in God's word. Day and night, I'm going to study it. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to understand it. I want you to look at the result now, verse 3. Let's read 1 and 2 again just in context. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Verse 3, here's what he's like. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither, and all he does, he prospers. Here's the third truth I want you to see this morning. As we grow in Christ, we must deepen our roots and produce fruit. Right, if you really want to know where you are in Christ, if you really want to understand how much you've grown and changed and progressed, just look at the fruit that your life has shown. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the, 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 the fig tree that Christ cursed and the temple and how those tied together in, in the book of Mark and how they were a picture of the people of Israel that looked mature on the outside but had not actually borne any fruit, right? There was nothing to actually show for their 
efforts. The Bible tells us, listen, if we'll flee from evil, if we'll study God's word, if we'll delight, then we'll be like a tree, right? I love how he describes this tree. This is not just some small little tree with dead leaves. This is a beautiful tree that's strong and mature, doesn't wither, prospers, whatever it does, produces fruit, right? This is the result of fleeing from evil, meditating on God's word. Now, I read a couple of weeks ago Galatians chapter 5. I just want to read it again just to kind of put it in your heart and, and remind you this morning of what the fruit of your life ought to look like. Galatians chapter 5, 22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Like If you want to measure your life as a Christian, if you want to try to understand what Christ has done and, and see if you're actually growing in your faith, then measure it against Galatians chapter 5, 22. Do you demonstrate love in your life? Like how well are you able to love people that are not like you? That's always a question that challenges me. Like it's easy to love people that you like, right? It's easy to love people that are like you. It's easy to love people that kind of are in your same sort of area in life. But it's difficult sometimes to love people that are different than you. How much are you loving people? How, how much are you showing joy? That's a good one. Are you joyful at work when things don't go the way they should go? <laughs> That's hard, isn't it? Right? It's easy when we read it in Galatians 5. It's difficult when we translate it to our real life. Are we at peace with other people? Are we patient with other people? Are we kind, gentle, good, faithful? All the things that we see in Scripture, those are pictures of people that are loving the Lord, trusting the Lord, growing in their faith. Right? We're like a tree planted by streams of water, yields fruit in its season. All that he does, he prospers. Isn't that interesting? Look at verse 3 again. Pull that up just for a second. Let's kind of finish this up here. I want you to see this. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And all he does, he prospers. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because i got a feeling I know how everybody would respond. If I said to you this morning, do you want to prosper in your life? I bet every person would say, yep. Like nobody says, I want to be a failure and I don't want to prosper. I want good things to happen. That's just who we are. The problem for so many of us is we believe that prospering comes from the model of kind of following the things of the world. Scripture says, listen, if you really want to prosper, flee evil, trust Christ, delight in his word, bear fruit, and then you'll be blessed. So I just want to challenge you this morning as we kind of wind this thing down. I just want to challenge you and encourage you to understand this passage of Scripture, right? It's simple. I don't think I said anything in here this morning that anybody hadn't heard before. Right? No massive revelation here about fleeing evil or studying God's Word or meditating or growing or bearing fruit. It's not that we don't know it. It's that far too many of us are not doing it. There's a simple model. If you're really interested in growing your faith, if you're interested in deepening your walk, flee evil, delight in God's Word, bear much fruit, then you'll be blessed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the clarity of your word. It's understandable, Lord. It's challenging to us. It's, it's something we can apply in so many different ways. And so, Father, I, I pray right now that this message would go from our heads at this point to our hearts. Because it's one thing to understand the information, Father. It's, it's one thing to understand fleeing evil. It's one thing to understand delighting in your word. It's one thing to understand bearing fruit and love and kindness and peace. It's one thing to, to know those things. It's another thing to do them. And so, Father, I, I pray 
through just the miracle of the Spirit, Father, that you could take what we now know and move it into our hearts and allow us to live this way, Lord. Allow us to trust you in all things. Allow us to flee evil and to meditate on your word, Father, to bear fruit, to be kind to those around us, to forgive, Father, to be patient, to find joy, to be at peace with all those people that we sometimes can't find peace with, Lord. I pray we would just live this out in our lives. Father, we want to be Christ-like. We want to serve you. We thank you for all you've done and for all you're going to do. Speak to us right now, and we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. Altar is open. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.